Welcome to Into the Yes. I'm Marissa Fay, a functional nutritionist and holistic wellness practitioner. And I'm Jen Nickel, a movement witch and intuitive Reiki master. You are in the right place if you're ready to question society's wellness standards and prepared to be inspired to make changes that are right for you. Join us as we get into the yes. Let's go. Welcome back to the pod. I am Marissa Fay. I am joined by my lovely co-host, Jen Nickel. Jen, say hi. Hi. I always, even though I know how to say your last name, there's always a part of me that second guesses it before it comes out of my mouth. Because it looks like Nicole. Yeah. Is that, is that it? I, I, it just, and this, it's like no offense to the last name. It just doesn't, my brain just doesn't see Nickel, you know? Right, because the the word Nicholas N I C K E L yeah. or C H O L if you're gonna say that, but the way that the spelling is, yeah, it's just missing the E at the I don't the silent E at the end, but it looks like Nicole. In fact, I've had a lot of people call me Nicole instead of Jen. Cause they're like, it oh. messes with your head, the name. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is my married name. I'll blame him. Yeah, exactly. Let's blame him. <laughs> what else can we blame on him? What can we blame on him? Can we blame crappy periods on him? I mean, I wish we could. Right. So that is today's topic. <laughs> so today we are talking all about PMS and period issues. And I want to level set for a minute so that everyone knows our perspective. So I am in my mid thirties. I am very much still menstruating. However, there are a few little signs of that shifting coming into my life, which is normal. And Jen, where are you in your relationship to menstruating and periods? Um, I am into my ninth month without a period. Okay. So the baby's due next. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the surprise baby is coming soon. No, oh, I never even showed. Well, actually, I kind of did, but it's not a baby. <laughs> Fair. And on that note, I have never understood that TLC show that's like all about people being surprised pregnant and they don't know they're pregnant until they're in the ER delivering. Have you heard of this show? I've heard of that. I've heard of those situations. And um, it is, it's, I, it's hard to understand. Yes. And I will say part of why we wanted to have this conversation is because Knowledge is power, and there is a lot of misinformation out there about periods. And truly, one of my biggest recommendations out the gate for you, dear listener listening, is to track your period. So if you are not already doing this, there are all kinds of free apps that you can download, or you can literally put it into your calendar, wherever that is. I used to do that for years but track the day your period starts. So the day you start bleeding and the day your period ends, the day you're done bleeding. And then that will give you an idea of what is going on with your cycle. Because without that information, honestly, we're missing such a vital piece of information on what's going on with your health. So do that, first of all. I second that. I think that's huge. I think that um, from a standpoint of understanding your own body and being in touch with your own body, that is a gateway into that. 
yeah, is just paying, yeah, understanding this is when I bleed, this is how long it's heavy or it's medium or it's light um, and noticing any changes. This is a way to meet your body again and understand it deeper, which I think is a really important thing. And as females or female identifying people, we aren't really taught that, are we? No. We're not taught to be in touch with our bodies. We're taught that these things are gross, right? Like I think about it with poop too, as well, by the way, because like that's a, a daily reminder of what's happening on the inside of your body. You can get all kinds of clues literally from just turning around and looking at your poop before you flush, right? Mm-hmm. And the same is true of your period, right? Like looking at what's coming out of you, right? Looking yeah. at how much is coming out of you, considering you know, when do you have that start and stoppy thing that many women have where it kind of starts, it's heavy, then you have a day where it's almost gone and then it comes back for its last stand. You know, I remember that, right? There are all (laughs) these ways that periods can get funky. And some of, some of the ways that periods get funky actually is pretty normal. It is. I mean, it is. Yes, right? <laughs> I is. meant that as a question and it didn't come out as one. It's funny because the things that I find a lot of medical practitioners normalize with periods are not normal. Like the idea that the number of days of your cycle is not significant, which by the way, there is such a thing as having a period that is too short and that sends us signals about something. There also is such a thing as having a period that's too long. There is such a thing as, you know, having a lot of clotty bits and what that might mean. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, taking hormonal birth control and and skipping your period. I'm using air quotes because you're not really skipping your period when you're taking hormonal birth control. Hormonal birth control, actually, you know, we've all been told it mimics pregnancy. It actually doesn't. It actually mimics menopause. So skipping your period is not a thing when you're on hormonal birth control. So if you don't take a week of placebos, or if you have something like the hormonal IUD and you're no longer getting a regular bleed, it, it does not mean that you've skipped a period. You're actually kind of freezing time in a way and fast forwarding to a phase in life where you wouldn't have a period. Huh. That is news to me. Yeah. That one, when I first learned about that, as I was like diving deep into hormonal birth control, I was like, ooh, no one tells you that. They don't tell you much about it. You just end up on it. God, yes. Yeah. I mean, I went on hormonal birth control when I was 16 because it was the thing everyone did. I was not sexually active, by the way. I just, I had cramps and my periods were unpleasant as by the way, they often are in the first few years of you getting your cycle regularly because your body's like figuring shit out, right? Your hormones are coming in, they're coming online in a big way. That by the way, is not abnormal to at least the first couple of years when you're cycling have some discomfort, right? There certainly is a degree of abnormality there, but it actually is normal for there to be a little bit of discomfort that happens the first couple of years of cycling. And then it starts to even out a bit. Yep. And then it mm. should become more regular and routine as your body is really getting used to the rhythm of, of the flow of these different hormones. So I have a question for you. What are some of the signs you should look for that things are not aligning the way they should? Like what period signs 
tell us, okay, something's up here. Yep. Okay. So first I'm going to give the asterisks of like, this is talking about people who are not on hormonal birth control. So because I just mentioned what happens when you're on hormonal birth control, you can appreciate that you no longer can gather this type of information. Right. right. So if you're on it, you're not bleeding the same way that your body naturally would. Yes. It's a withdrawal bleed. It's actually not a true kind of naturally occurring period. And I'll explain a little bit of what's going on there because then, you know, you'll understand why that's the case basically. Okay. So some things that are considered abnormal in my world, and I'm looking at this from functional, which is optimal, right? What's optimal? What's best for most bodies, right? Um, so first of all, having a period that's too short, so too few days between your bleeds. So the first day of your cycle is going to be the first day that you like really bleed, you know, not when you have some of that spotting that tells you like, Ooh, my period's probably coming tomorrow. That spotty stuff. That's not your first day of your cycle. That's actually the last day of the cycle before. So that's the first thing. Never knew that. I always counted that as day one. Right. I used to as well. So yeah, I get that. So day one, first day of like true bleed, right? Red blood. Yes. And then the last day of the cycle is going to be the day before your next period, which is going to be again, that first day of it is really my period. I am bleeding. So oftentimes a lot of women experience the last day of their cycle. They do have, you know, the toilet paper is a little pink or they have a little spotting starting. That's going to be the last day of your cycle, right? So from day one of your cycle to the last day of your cycle, if it is too short, that is something to be concerned about. If it is too long, that is also something to be concerned about. So the window that I give most people is 26 days to about 34 days. And I'll say, depending where you are in life, you know, that window may be tighter or there may be a little bit of generosity on either side of a day, but about 26 to 34 days. And what we're really looking for is that your body pretty much stays in its predictable rhythm, right? So if you're somebody who kind of hangs around the 26 day mark, you know, we're kind of looking that your body when you're feeling optimal, when your body's functioning optimal, that you're probably, your cycles are probably like 26 to 27 days, right? Something like that. It's okay for there to be a little bit of variation there, but we want you to have a rhythm, right? So oftentimes cycle can be too short. And that tells us one thing about hormones. And when cycles too long, that tells us another thing about hormones. But what a lot of people do not know and have not heard is what the star of the show is with your cycle, right? Because a lot of us think of our period as the star of the show. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that shows up. Right. Exactly. But your period is not the star of the show. Ovulation is. I was going to say that. Yeah. Oh, I should Only have after you. you said like the standing O mm-hmm. star of show. Okay. It's star of the show. And the reason is you have to ovulate in order for your body to put out the appropriate amount of progesterone. So in your period, right? We've all heard estrogen and progesterone, right? Some of us. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some of us, maybe this is news. Okay. So right. basically those hormones, they work 
in opposition of each other, depending on where you are in your cycle. And I like to think of it as like, one is the main event in the first half and the other is the main event in the second half, as far as the hormone that you really want coming in strong. Okay. The first half of your cycle, estrogen's building. So it's really about estrogen. So estrogen's building, we don't want it too high, but we don't want it too low, right? And then the second half of your cycle, progesterone comes in and is it's really, we want progesterone to really show up and then to slowly taper off. And that's when you're going to get your next bleed. But progesterone, your body doesn't get triggered to produce and release sufficient amounts of progesterone if you don't ovulate, because it has to do with a conversation happening between the brain and your ovary and the follicle or the egg. Gotcha. So that is a key thing to know. So when somebody's cycle varies in length, I start thinking about, did you ovulate? And when, so a lot of times women with shorter cycles are probably not ovulating or have weak ovulation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times women with longer cycles have sometimes a late ovulation, or we're looking at a lot of estrogen and estrogen imbalance happening there. Gotcha. And that's important because of PMS and all kinds of period issues. So if you're somebody who has these cycle variations, it is highly likely that you have other symptoms going on. Okay. What like, like heavy bleeds or, um, extreme cramping. I know so many people that are like the cramps were so bad. I almost passed out or I actually did pass out or I can't even eat. They're so bad. Yes, totally. And I was just thinking that like how many of us have said, oh, I have the worst cramps. And then by the way, go on living life. Right. Like, but I've oh, all these just things keep to going. do. Yeah you keep going. And so first I'm going to say like, we are amazing. The things that those of us who menstruate put ourselves through when we are menstruating, like we're incredible. So first of all, let's acknowledge that. Well, we let it, let's definitely acknowledge it. What I want to say is we're capable of that. We're very capable of it, but I think that there's this perception or this need to like show that that we have, it's not going to get me down. I'm going to keep going. You know, it's in this go, go, go mentality, um, that pulls us away from the rhythm of our own body. Totally. That might be a totally another topic, but I just wanted to point that out. I am with you. And I want us to do an episode all about cycle syncing because that really speaks into that piece of it, which is, I agree just because you can, doesn't mean you need to. Right. And a little kernel is usually if you are bleeding, like your body is evacuating tissue, right? Releasing, causing an inflammatory process to release this tissue so that it can grow new tissue that's healthy. That is an incredibly inflammatory process. And that is a time to rest. Yeah. I mean, if you go way back to like indigenous living, the females in the tribe would rest during, during their bleed time. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. that was an intuitive thing that they just knew then. Yeah, totally. There's wisdom there, right? Like you are bleeding, right? right. Yeah. You're actually bleeding. Most, if we were bleeding anywhere else, we would stop and like do something about it. But yes. because we can hide this, we're supposed to go on. Like everything is fine. Exactly. Yep. Totally. So here's the piece of it to answer your question. I think I still have it in my head, but <laughs> It was something about like, is cramping normal? Are heavy periods normal? Well, right? like you were talking about 
if it's shorter or if it's longer and how that indicates when estrogen is coming in, if too much is coming in, if progesterone is showing up at the right time and how this affects. So my question is, how does this affect the cramping or to those listeners who experience intense cramping, what might that be indicating to them? Yes. Okay. So here's the thing to know with a lot of those intense type of symptoms, if they're happening leading into your period, your bleed or during your bleed, it most likely is involving estrogen, right? Because estrogen is becoming the star of the show there. Also, because it is very easy to have an imbalance of estrogen to progesterone. So there are different ways that you can have high estrogen, or a lot of times people throw around this term estrogen dominance. And you can have estrogen dominance if you purely just have lots of estrogen in your system, which by the way, can happen because your body's producing a lot of estrogen and you're not detoxing it. One of the most important pieces of estrogen detox is through your gut. And so there can be a lot of gut issues that are holding that process up. The other common cause of excess estrogen is exposure to environmental toxins and toxins within our personal care products and our home products and all of that. So it is very easy for estrogen to become too high, but it can be too high in in the world where you have the right amount of progesterone but estrogen is just very high. And so that ratio, right, throws things off and there's an imbalance of too much estrogen. But you can also have about normal estrogen levels and progesterone can be too low. And then you also have an issue where you have estrogen dominance going on. Okay. So it can either be about purely estrogen is high or it can be about progesterone being low and you can have many of the same symptoms. Um, at least as it relates to your period, right? But in general, lots of cramping, lots of discomfort and long periods point us towards excess estrogen being a problem. Okay. I feel like that might be a big wow to some listeners. Yeah, totally. Right. Because that is something to your point that we've really normalized. And I would say, you know, Periods maybe can have a little bit of discomfort, but for the most part, the discomfort should not be regularly cramps, headaches, extreme moodiness. Those things I wouldn't say are normal. Those are signs from your body that something is going on and it needs your attention. Mm -hmm. And could, could it be that that sign is, it just needs some more rest? Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the most common reasons for low progesterone is stress. Oh, Uh that's where we get into this. Mm -hmm. And stress, as you know, Jen, can be certainly physical, right? You're pushing your body physically too much. It could even be, it could be you're over-exercising, you're under-sleeping, you're under-nourishing, you're not eating enough calories, right? Like all those things can cause physical stress, but it also Mm -hmm. can be mental and emotional stress. So I have a curiosity for you and you may not be able to answer this, but I also can share my experience. But do you recall when you were in more of your regular menstruating years, like ever having something really stressful happening and then your period shows up late? Um, I cannot remember. Fair. <laughs> I really cannot. So I will say, I noticed that women are either prone to, if if more stress happens in the second half of their cycle, 
it seems to be some women are prone to their period coming early and some are prone to it coming late. And I think it depends when that stress has started. But this is why, I mean, I remember times with, with friends of mine where people were stressed that they might be pregnant and yeah. didn't want to be pregnant, right? We were young and college kind of a thing. And they would be stressing about whether they were pregnant or not. And then their period is late, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's how powerful just mental, emotional stress can be to dysregulating these hormones. I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me. So I do have a specific time when my cycle completely changed and, Mm. but it's, it's challenging because I was already in my forties when that happened, but we had a very significant move, you know, in a, in a major life change. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that my my cycle and my body's reaction to my cycle started to really notably change. What was the change? I'm curious. It started with extreme heavy bleeding and cramping. Mm -hmm. And then it went from there. And I had a lot of um, fatigue, like where I'd say, I don't understand. I'm taking care of myself. And all I feel like I can manage is to lay in bed. Yeah. Like that type of fatigue. So those things um, were what, what kind of trigger me into paying closer attention to it. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Like that kind of experience absolutely would call someone's attention, you know, if they're open to paying attention to it. And one piece of that, and some of the symptoms you mentioned, like that debilitating kind of fatigue is why hormones are so complex and why I always tell people and my clients and my students, I tell you, all of your hormones are connected. So if one hormone gets dysregulated, so if it's high when it's not supposed to be high, if it's low when it's not supposed to be low, it is going to dysregulate other hormones. They all are part of the system and it's a delicate balance. It really is our endocrine system um, or hormone system. And one of the things is progesterone has a very important relationship with thyroid hormone. And so just as much as progesterone can be extremely impacted by stress, especially stress that comes in the second half of your cycle. So after ovulation, so in an ideal world, if you had a 28 day cycle, you'd ovulate around day 14 and day 14 to 28 would be when we'd say the second half of your cycle. That's when we're a bit more susceptible to the influence of stress, but it also is where that relationship with progesterone and thyroid hormone is even more important. And so we do see that women, when that process gets dysregulated, we do see a lot of symptoms that relate to low thyroid function, actually, which fatigue is a really common one. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes sense to me. And I wonder just, just out of curiosity, I also gained weight at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that is often another symptom related to low thyroid function, right? But here's the thing I want people to hear. That can also be a symptom just related to excess estrogen, right? It's a bit more complex. And a lot of people will get focused on, oh, they'll hear me say that. Like that can be a symptom of low thyroid function. And they'll just be like a dog with a bone, right? It's all about my low thyroid function. And I will just say that used to be me. So I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism 13 years ago. And the first few years of that diagnosis, I was just chasing after any information or any doctor or specialist or provider who could help me with my low thyroid function. And what I learned through that process and ultimately how I got myself to reverse most of my symptoms 
was I started thinking about the systems involved. And I started thinking about, it's about more than just that low thyroid. It's about all of these hormones and how they all interact and how they all influence my body. So they all need each other in order to function as a whole. That's why we talk about holistic, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. You got it. Um, so go ahead. Oh, <laughs> so I have, I, I was thinking that this might be interesting. It's like the scenario of, um, someone goes to their regular MD with symptoms of cramping and extreme heavy bleeding mm-hmm. and what that answer would be versus someone takes those symptoms to someone like you, a practitioner like you and what, what that practitioner would have them do? Fantastic question. And and this also reminds me, I want to touch on PCOS or ovarian cysts, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, just -hmm. because that is such a hot topic right now. And it is something that a lot of women come to me with a concern about, and it relates here because it's kind of the similar, the similar answer that an MD is most likely to give you for something like ovarian cysts, endometriosis, heavy bleeding, long period, the the one thing that most MDs have are prescription hormonal birth control. And that is basically it. There is nothing else for the most part that most of them will offer you. Um, And I know this from personal experience. I know this from hearing from hundreds of my clients and students. I also know this because I've talked to doctors actually. Um, you know, one of the most beautiful things about what I do is that occasionally there are people who have been trained in that Western medicine methodology who come to see me as a client or come to consult with me on common issues they're seeing with their patients just to get a different perspective, right? I cannot diagnose, treat, prescribe. So legally I am not allowed to do that, but I do specialize in understanding how these symptoms come together and how we can support bodies to be in their best health. And that is not something that they learn. And they also don't learn how food can be medicine, how herbs and supplements can be medicine, how your lifestyle and habits can be medicine. So if you have a doctor who's even mentioned some of those things as important, like that doctor is is ahead of the rest, you know, really. Mm -hmm. But they also have often very little training in that. And it always concerns me when a doctor recommends a particular dietary approach, because that really is not something they often study much of. They often get either almost no nutrition education or the average, I think is under 24 hours in their entire medical school training. I saw that somewhere that it said, you know, in all of doctor's training that it's about, it equals about four hours spent on on nutrition, uh, understanding food and how it responds in the body. Yeah. So it's just not their area of expertise, right? Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate. And also that's where people like me come in because if your doctor can only offer you a prescription hormonal birth control, right? Which by the way, hormonal birth control comes with lots of risks and also lots of what I would say kind of long-term risks when you're on it longer that oftentimes are ignored in that field. And I call that medical gaslighting, um, which is when you go to your doctor after being on hormonal birth control and you're like, I'm concerned, I'm feeling this way, I'm having weight loss intolerance, I'm having issues with sleep, I'm feeling really tired. And they 
ignore that and say, it's not possible. That's the hormonal birth control pill. And it is possible, right? Mm -hmm. We know hormonal birth control. Like I said, it more mimics menopause than it does pregnancy. And it also is known, and this has been studied and verified y'all that it depletes your body from B vitamins, especially magnesium gets a hit, zinc gets a hit, your gut gets a hit again, because of that intricate balance between what's going on with your estrogen and your estrogen detoxification in your gut. So all of these things are things that we should be educated about and aware of, and it just doesn't happen, which is really upsetting. Yeah, that's challenging. And I think it's used, okay, um, it's used in the younger group, I think pretty often to solve acne, mm-hmm. heavy periods, cramping and birth control as birth control. So right. it kind of like, it ticks all the boxes. Yep. And, you know, again, I just want to reiterate, like your body, your choice listener, but I want you to have this information. You know, we want you to know these things so you can make informed choices. I will say I got a hormonal IUD and it gave me ovarian cysts. So I never had ovarian cysts before and it gave me ovarian cysts. And that happens to be a relatively common side effect of a progesterone only IUD. So if I had known that I probably would have made a different choice. So what you're discussing is informed consent. Yes. Okay. I'm going to put you on this medication. These are all the things Mm -hmm. that come along with it. Yep. And by the way, you can support your body. So if you are somebody who really needs hormonal birth control or feels best with hormonal birth control, or there are other more complicated things going on, there are ways to support your body while, while you're using hormonal birth control. So that also is an option, but the other difference that you're going to see between someone like me and somebody like your doctor, as far as addressing those symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. The other tool they may have at some point, if you complain enough of dramatic enough symptoms, then they might do something like an ultrasound or a, you know, in-office surgical procedure or something like that, um, Mm -hmm. which is common for, you know, if you fit enough of the description of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, your doctor may do an ultrasound. If they suspect truly that there's endometriosis going on, they may do some diagnostic tests and perform. There's a surgery that is often associated with that. But down the line, often what's offered to women with endometriosis is a partial hysterectomy, um, partial or full hysterectomy. So those are kind of the typical offerings you're going to get from an MD or a doctor. Um, The typical kind of way of addressing the symptoms, again, not treating, we have to say addressing the symptoms and the imbalances in the body for me or someone like me are going to be related to what you're eating, what you're not eating, what your life is like, right? Where are the stressors? What kind of habits you have going on? The quality of things in your environment, again, because we talked about estrogen being so easily impacted by things in your environment, the chemicals in your environment. So that is all part of what needs to be addressed in order to address symptoms and just optimize how your body functions and get you feeling better. And in many, many cases, I do see people feel so much better, mm-hmm. um, which is and sometimes it's just a couple little changes that actually have that huge impact. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, one of the most profound can simply be if you're under eating, eating enough mm-hmm. for your body. And I think if- that, I mean, just to speak on that and having 
lived that, um, I think that's huge. And I think that that is a lot more common than we, than we know. It is. I think part of it has to do with the virtue signaling that women have related to what we eat and how much we eat. And I would say the other piece that can be so profound with food is women who have been plant-based or vegan or close to vegan and shifting into a diet that has more healthy animal sources in it of food, that nutrient density just turns the volume way up on the kind of nutrients your body really needs to have a healthy menstrual cycle. And that often, that along with eating enough, that on its own can be transformative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I personally had that experience as well. So I was a vegetarian and didn't eat a lot of dairy um, my late teens and early twenties, and it did a number on my body. And it does a number on a lot of our bodies when we have, you know, more female physiology. And mm -hmm. of course, there's always going to be a few people who say, I feel best doing this. And if that's you rock on, but a lot of us convince ourselves we feel best on it because we're actually running on our hormones for a while and our nutrient stores for a while. And at some point that runs out and it bites us in the ass. Mm -hmm. I went down that path as well. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I right? can talk about all different dietary things. Yes. That's another episode, I think. Yeah, totally. But that's to say just how important food and nourishment really is and can be. Mm -hmm. So I have actually a five-step process that I use with my clients and students to help them basically shift their hormone system into being a well-functioning, well-oiled system. Um, and it's one I'm actually going to be sharing a little bit more about in, I have an upcoming webinar masterclass that I'm doing that I would love to invite everyone to, um, it's all about decoding your hormones. So we're going to talk about the different types of imbalances that are common and you'll be able to identify like, ah, that sounds like me. Oh, that sounds like me. No, that doesn't sound like me. Right. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes there's more than one imbalance happening. Um, so we'll be talking about that on September 13th. It is at, I feel like my brain was like, what time is it? Uh, <laughs> it is at, uh, 5 PM mountain time. So that's going to be 4 PM Pacific, 6 PM central and 7 PM Eastern, but it's going to be recorded. So if you can't make it live, sign up, you'll get the recording afterwards. And trust me, you want that because there's going to be some fun little bonuses traveling with that, but you can grab a spot at bit.ly slash decode hormones. Um, and I would love to see anyone there who just wants this information. Again, there's no strings attached to it. It's entirely free. I just want to be sharing this information more broadly and more freely with more women. Um, this is really important information to have. And I shared with you before we hit record that um, I wish I had someone like you in my life when I was in my 30s. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I understood these things about my body earlier on and we can't go back into the past, but I, I have to wonder how I would have felt and how I would have treated myself had I had this information. So I think it's very powerful, um, to, to understand this about our bodies, but even if you are at or close to the stage where I am, I think this is really valuable information for understanding. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. you know what? Women who are in that transition to menopause, there's so much shit information out there. And when I see a woman who's having night sweats, um, who's having trouble sleeping, who's having some of that kind of 
weight building in their middle zone. Again, not that it's all about weight, but that can be something that happens. It's really hard on women mentally. And when Mm -hmm. I see a doctor put them on something like estrogen, I want to scream from the rooftops because what people will find if they come to this masterclass is a lot of those symptoms are actually about too much estrogen in relationship to progesterone. So adding more estrogen, it's going to add fuel to the fire. So Mm -hmm. Again, if you're empowered with this information, you can even go back to your doctor then if you do want something like hormone assistance because you're in perimenopause or in menopause, you can go back to your doctor with an understanding of what you need to ask for, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that in and of itself can be such a game changer. Yeah. And you're, that's such a good point because I do feel like the more I learn about my body and what it needs the more equipped I am to ask the right questions when I see a doctor so that it's an exchange between two people and not just the doctor as this authoritative figure saying, you need this, take it. And then I walk out without asking anything, which is what would happen in the past. But now I feel having more information to say, even just listening to this episode and hearing um, you talk about how they you're not informed about all the different side effects that like that hormonal IUD gave you. Now, when someone, if they've heard this, they can go in when, with their doctor and say, okay, but I want to know how this is going to affect my body. What are the long-term, um, what side effects can I look for? And then they can make an informed decision about using or not using whatever the doctor is prescribing. Absolutely. And at the same time, the importance, I think, of changing some of your lifestyle pieces and habits, because those truly are profound. I really, really want people to hear that, that like, no matter what you choose, no matter what you do. And this is, by the way, applies to so much more than hormone imbalance issues, Mm -hmm. anything related to your health, make sure that you have a solid foundation of habits that are truly, truly supporting your body. And you're going to know they're supporting your body because your digestion is going to be working well and your hormones are going to feel balanced. If those two things are happening, then you can be confident that at least on a base level, you have sound practices related to how you care for your body. Yeah. You lay the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So with that, I want to wrap up our episode and say, again, I would love to see y'all show up in my masterclass on September 13th. That's a Tuesday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Sign up. Even if you can't make it live, you can grab a spot at bit.ly slash decode hormones. It's going to be awesome. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm putting so much into it and I, I just cannot wait to share all in one place because you know, I could talk about this for hours, Mm -hmm. but share it all. Yeah. So anyways, (laughs) that is my exciting news. So I want to know, Jen, after our conversation today, what are you a yes for? Well, I'm a yes to connecting to our bodies and understanding them. So it's not this foreign object that we're like, oh, now it's doing this. Ah, what, what do I do? So I'm a yes to creating a deeper connection with the body by maybe tracking our period or tuning into hunger or any, any sort of thing where we tune into our body. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I was going to say, I'm a yes to that too, right? I'm a yes to being informed about what your symptoms mean or could mean and what's going on with your body. 
I just think that's, that's empowering. So empowering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. We would love it if you rate and review our podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend who could use this info. Jen, where can folks find you on the interweb? I'm Jen Nichols 09 on TikTok and Instagram. Woohoo. And I am Marissa Faye Wellness, Marissa with one S on Instagram and TikTok. We love hearing from y'all. So feel free to reach out after you hear this episode. And like I said, grab a seat in that master class, even if you can't make it live. Would love to see you there. Awesome. Yay. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs>